The purpose of this section is to give you a quick overview of the differential form of Maxwell's equations since we use Maxwell's equations in the next section to derive the electromagnetic wave equation. But before you can make any sense of the differential form of Maxwell's equations, you need to understand the differential vector operator del, which is also called nabla, and which is written as a triangle with the pointy end down and wearing a vector hat. As it says in the text, the del operator tells you to take partial spatial derivatives of whatever the operator is applied to. Exactly which derivatives to take and how to combine them is determined by what comes after the del symbol. If a function appears after the del, the del operator takes the gradient of that function, which tells you how fast and in what direction the function increases most rapidly. If a circle or a cross followed by a vector function appears after the del, the del operator takes the divergence or curl of that function. By vector function, we simply mean a vector whose components depend on position, such as the vector electric or magnetic field. In this section, we describe both the divergence and the curl of vector fields. The mathematical statement of the divergence of the vector field A is shown in equation 5.1. As you can see, in Cartesian coordinates, the divergence of A is simply the scalar sum of the spatial derivatives, the partial of AX with respect to X, plus the partial of AY with respect to Y, plus the partial of AZ with respect to Z. But what does equation 5.1 really mean? To understand that, it helps to think of vector fields, such as those shown in figures 5.1 and 5.2, as representing the flow of a substance in the direction of the field. Now understand, in electric and magnetic fields, nothing is actually flowing. But this analogy can help you understand the mathematics of divergence and curl. If, at any given location, more of this substance would flow away from that location than would flow toward it, that point has positive divergence. And as it says in the text, if the same amount of this imaginary material would flow toward the point as flows away from it, that point has zero divergence. As you can probably guess, if more of the material would flow toward the point than away from it, that point has negative divergence, which is also sometimes called convergence. It may help you to picture what's going on by imagining sprinkling sawdust on a fluid. If you sprinkle that sawdust around a location of positive divergence, the sawdust will disperse. If you sprinkle it on a point of negative divergence, it will collect. So with that picture in mind, take a look back at the left portion of figure 5.1. That should make it clear that the location of positive charge in the center of the electric field arrows is a point of positive divergence. By the way, if this were a negative charge, those arrows would be reversed and this would be a point of negative divergence. On the other hand, in the right portion of the picture, the electric field just goes around and circulates back on itself. And in that case, it would just carry the sawdust around in a circle, neither congregating nor dispersing it. So that type of circulating field has zero divergence. The mathematical statement of the curl is shown in equation 5.2. You can see some differences from this expression for the curl from the expression for divergence that's in equation 5.1. For one thing, this gives a vector result. Notice there's an i-hat term and a j-hat term and a k-hat term. So the curl, unlike the divergence, returns a vector. Notice also that each term involves the subtraction of one partial derivative from another. The reason for that is the curl is not measuring how much the field spreads out or converges. Instead, it measures how much the field circulates around the point at which the curl is being taken. So the thought experiment in this case does not involve sawdust. Instead, imagine a little paddle wheel on the end of a long shaft. 
if you put that paddle wheel into our imaginary fluid at a point of high curl, the paddle wheel will rotate. If you put the paddle wheel into a location where the curl is zero, the paddle wheel will not rotate. But if the curl gives a vector result, what direction is that vector pointing in? The answer is, it points along the axis of rotation of that paddle wheel. And if you think, yes, but it could point up or down along that axis, to resolve that, we use the right hand rule. Which means you curl the fingers of your right hand in the direction of the circulation, and your right thumb points along the direction of the curl. Now if you look back at figure 5.2, you can see that magnetic fields do have curl. They are circulating around the electric current or the changing electric field, so those are regions of non-zero curl. Once you've got an understanding of divergence and curl, Maxwell's equations should make a lot of sense to you. The first one is called Gauss's Law for Electric Fields, and you can see it written in the text as the divergence of E, del dot E, is equal to rho over epsilon naught. In this equation, rho represents the electric charge density at the location of interest, and epsilon naught is a constant of proportionality called the permittivity of free space. You can read more about that later in this chapter. Notice that Gauss's law for electric fields tells you that electric fields diverge away from locations of positive charge. If there's a lot of charge at some location, the right-hand side of this equation has a big rho, therefore the left-hand side must have a big divergence. And if rho is negative, that is if we have negative electric charge at some location, then the divergence must be negative, which means the field lines point toward that location. The second of Maxwell's equations is Gauss's law for magnetic fields, and you see that written as the divergence of B equals zero, del dot B equals zero. That simply says that magnetic fields don't diverge. No matter where you look, you cannot find magnetic fields diverging from that location. The reason for that is because the universe apparently contains no magnetic monopoles. That is, in magnets you always get a north-south pair, never an individual pole. So magnetic fields don't originate at a point. They circulate back on themselves and have zero divergence. The third of Maxwell's equations is called Faraday's Law. You see it written in the text as the curl of E, del cross E, equals the negative partial of the magnetic field B with respect to time. That says that a curling electric field, that is an electric field that circulates back on itself, is produced by a changing magnetic field. And finally, the last of Maxwell's four equations, the Ampere-Maxwell Law, says the curl of B, del cross B, is equal to mu zero j plus mu zero epsilon zero times the partial of E with respect to T. In that expression, mu zero represents the magnetic permeability of free space, j represents the electric current density, and the partial of E with respect to T represents the change in the electric field. This equation says that a curling or circulating magnetic field can be produced in two ways. The first term says it's produced by an electric current. The second term says that a circulating magnetic field can be produced by a changing electric field. It was this second term in the Ampere-Maxwell law that Maxwell added to Ampere's law, and as you'll see in the next section, that's what allowed Maxwell to understand that light is an electromagnetic wave. In the next section, you can see how to get from these four equations to the electromagnetic wave equation.